<clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> All right, well, we're there in uh, Matthew chapter number 17. And of course, on Sunday nights, we've been going through this uh, series called The Life of Peter. And we've been uh, highlighting all of the major stories in the life of Peter and looking at this uh, apostle, of course, and, and kind of going through uh, his life. This is now the seventh week in uh, this series. And we were actually in Matthew 17 last week uh, looking at a different story of Peter. And I, wanna, I want you to notice another story regarding Peter in this same chapter. You're there in Matthew 17. If you look down at verse number 24, the Bible says this, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? And here we have Peter being approached by someone, and they ask him a very specific question. They ask him about Jesus, his master, and they say, Does your master pay uh, tribute? And what I want to begin tonight by saying, there's several lessons in the story that I want to show you and highlight for you. And the first one, the first lesson we see is a lesson on uh, paying taxes. And I want to begin by answering this question, should Christians pay taxes? And this is actually a very controversial question among some Christians because there are a lot of debates that go back and forth. There are a lot of Christians out there who believe that we as Christians should not pay taxes, and they take stands against it, and even uh, well-known preachers have gone to prison for not paying their taxes and things like that. And I want to show you what the Bible teaches about this subject of should Christians pay taxes, and I want to show you from this story and from other stories, and I want to answer kind of three questions in regards to this first point in regards to a lesson on paying taxes. So if you're writing, if you've got, uh, if you're taking notes you've, on the back of your course of the week and write things down, of course, uh, maybe you can write these things down. The first question is this, did the Lord Jesus Christ himself pay taxes? Did the Lord Jesus Christ, does the Bible tell us, does the Bible document the fact that Jesus paid taxes? And the answer to that question is yes, the Bible clearly records Jesus paying taxes. You're there in Matthew 17, Look at verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute. Now, the word tribute is basically a tax. In fact, let me read for you the dictionary definition of the word tribute. It is a stated sum or other valuable consideration paid by one sovereign or state to another in acknowledgement of subjugation or as the price of peace, security, protection, or the like a rent tax or the like as that paid by a subject to a sovereign, any exacted or enforced payment or contribution. So the word tribute means tax, something that you're forced to pay uh, to a government. And here we have someone who is receiving tribute money. They came to Peter and said, doth not your master pay tribute? They're asking, does Jesus pay his taxes. And notice the response from Peter, verse 25. He saith, yes. He answered for Jesus. He said, yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him. The word prevented means that he came before him. He came out to see him saying, and I want you to notice what Jesus says to Peter. He says, what thinkest thou, Simon? He says, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers. And let me go ahead and just explain a few things here because some people and those who like to teach that uh, Christians should pay their taxes and, and, or excuse me, those who like to teach that Christians should not 
pay their taxes and they attack those of us who teach what the Bible says and, you know, they'll call us servants of the government and we're just, you know, trying to get everybody to uh, follow the government and this and that. They'll, they'll, they'll look at this and they'll say, well, this isn't even about taxes. This is uh, a temple tax and this is something that was going to the temple and, and this isn't even uh, regarding taxes. But here's the problem with that. If you look at the context, the context itself tells you that this has to do with a government tax. Because after Peter responds yes to the question, does your master pay taxes, Jesus says, what thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? And I want you to notice that those words, custom and tribute, are used interchangeably by Jesus. He says of their own children or of strangers. So the context tells us that this was a foreign tax being paid to the Roman government. But let me just say this, even if it wasn't, even if it was some sort of a temple tax or local tax or whatever, it doesn't make a difference. Taxes are taxes. Whether you're paying local tax, state tax, federal tax, it's a tax. Uh, and the Bible uses these terms. Jesus used these terms interchangeably, custom, tribute. The Bible uses these terms interchangeably in other places as well. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read for you from Ezra chapter 4. And verse 13, the Bible says, Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the wall set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom, and so thou shalt endamage the revenue of the king. So notice, I, and I'm just reading that verse to you to show you that toll, tribute, and custom were all used interchangeably to talk about the same thing, a tax. So here we have Jesus uh, confronting Peter after Peter answered for him, right? Because the question was asked, does your master pay a tribute? And Peter says, yes. And then Jesus says, think about this, Peter. What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, the kings of the earth, who do they tax? Do they tax their own children? He says, of their own children or of strangers. And what he's saying is this, do they tax their own citizens or do they tax other citizens? He's saying, does the Roman Empire tax Roman citizens or are they taxing us because we're Jews living in this land that is occupied? And it's just an interesting thought that at the time of Jesus, Jesus would say that a foreign government wouldn't tax their own people, they tax other people. We live in a society where our government taxes its own people. And notice uh, the response from Peter, verse 26. Peter saith unto him of strangers. Jesus saith unto him. And I want you to notice what Jesus thought about taxes because he doesn't think positively of them and he doesn't think very highly of them. Jesus saith unto him, then are the children free. So here's what he's saying. If you pay taxes, you're not free. He says, if you pay taxes, he said, if we were free, then we wouldn't be paying tribute, we wouldn't be paying customs, we wouldn't be forced uh, uh, to do this. He said, if we were Roman citizens, if we were children of the Roman Empire, then we would be free. He says, we pay taxes, so we're not free. Now, if you end right there, you might have enough to say, see, Jesus was against taxes. And here's the thing, from, this, from these verses, it sounds like Jesus was against taxes. He thought that they were putting you in bondage. He didn't think highly of them. He doesn't sound like it's something that he wanted to pay. But I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 27. He says this, notwithstanding. Here's what that word means. It means in spite of this 
or in spite of the fact. He says, look, we are not free if we are forced to pay custom or tribute. The kings of the earth, they take custom and tribute of strangers, of foreigners, not of their own children. He says, this is not a good thing. This is not a positive thing. This is not something I'm happy to be paying. But then he says, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. The word lest means with the intention of preventing something undesirable, to avoid a risk so that uh, something bad won't happen. He says, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up a fish and that first, uh, t- excuse me, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take, notice, and give unto them for me and for thee. So here's the question. If the question is asked, did Jesus, did the Lord Jesus Christ himself pay taxes? The answer to that question is clearly, yes, he did. Now, did he like it? No. Did he speak highly of it? No. Did he see it as a form of bondage and as a form of servitude? Yes. But did he pay his taxes? He clearly did. He told Peter, go catch a fish, and he performs a miracle. He says, when you catch a fish, you're going to find a gold coin in the mouth of that fish. I want you to take it, and I want you to go and give it for me and for thee. So I want you to notice, first of all, when we ask this question, should Christians pay taxes? Because as Christians, are we not followers of Christ? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing after salvation? We're supposed to be his disciples. We're supposed to be following his lead. We're supposed to, he said, follow me. So did Jesus pay taxes? And the answer is yes. The Bible clearly records Jesus paying taxes. Here's question number two. And I, you're there in Matthew 17. I'd like you to go to Matthew chapter 22. Just flip a few pages over Matthew 22. I think we've cooled down enough. I'm sorry. But if we can hit that, I'd appreciate it. Matthew 22. So question number one. Did the Lord Jesus Christ himself pay taxes? The answer is yes. The Bible clearly records Jesus paying taxes. You can't read Matthew 17 and not walk away seeing that. Here's question number two. Did the Lord Jesus Christ teach others to pay their taxes? And the answer to that question is yes. The Bible clearly records Jesus teaching others to pay their taxes. Are you there in Matthew 22? Look at verse 17. Now, in Matthew 22 and verse 17, we're jumping into a conversation where Jesus is being questioned, and the purpose is to try to get him to incriminate himself or to say something stupid so that it might be used against him. And here's the question. They say, tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? So here's the question. Is it lawful to give tribute? See the word tribute? Same as custom, same as toll. It's referring to taxes. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar? Or not? So they're asking him because they're trying to catch him in his words and they're saying, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Now, in this context, it's clear they're talking about taxes and they're talking about a foreign government. They're talking about the Roman Empire. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, 
Whose is this image? So you got to get this picture in your mind. You have Jesus holding up a Roman penny, and he's holding it up, and he asks this question, whose is this image and superscription? And of course, the idea is that there is an inscription, there is an image of Caesar on this coin. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. And again, the question is, did the Lord Jesus Christ teach others to pay their taxes? And you can't walk away from this story without saying, yes, he did. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And the ridiculousness of Christians, or so-called Christians today, saying, oh no, we got to stand up against the government. We shouldn't pay our taxes to them. This is a big deal. This is the fight of the century. This is our Christian duty. And they make this big to-do about not paying your taxes. But it doesn't seem like Jesus really cares. And the, the truth of the matter is that just like Jesus took that Roman penny and asked whose uh, superscription, whose image is on this picture, we can pull out a dollar bill or a $5 bill or a $20 bill or a $100 bill or whatever coin you want and ask the same question and say, then look, then render unto Benjamin Franklin what is belongs to Benjamin Franklin and to George Washington what belongs to George Washington and to all of those people and to the government what belongs to the government. Because here's the point. The point is this that we as Christians should not be consumed with thoughts of money. Money is not something that should consume us. Money is not something that we should fight about. Money is not something that Jesus even cared about. And he looks at this and he says, well, it's got Caesar's face on it. Go ahead and give it back to Caesar. And notice he says, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He says, give them, if they want the money, give them the money, who cares? And then he says, and unto God... The things that are God's. Because the truth is this, that you were created in the image of God. And I was created in the image of God. And though that money has the image of a man, you have the image of God. And it is more important for you to serve God with your life than to spend it locked away somewhere because you want to fight over money. So when we ask the question, we ask the question, should Christians pay taxes? you got to ask the question, did Jesus himself pay taxes? And the answer is yes. He instructed Peter to go fishing, to catch a fish, and there'd be a gold coin in the mouth of the fish. And he told him, go ahead and pay the taxes on my behalf and on your behalf. Then you've got to ask the question, did the Lord Jesus Christ teach others to pay their taxes? And the answer is yes. He said, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. But let me answer another question for you. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 2. You're there in Matthew. Just flip to the beginning of the book. Matthew chapter 2. Here's the third question. What if the taxes... You know, this is a question that people ask us, right? What if the taxes that you're paying to the government, what if they go towards wicked things? What if those taxes go to things like abortion? You know, aren't you against killing babies? Well, look, of course we're against killing babies. Of course we're against abortion. 
Of course, we're against all those things. You say, well, what if paying your taxes, see, when you pay your taxes, is going to a government that kills babies. That's wicked. You're a government pawn. That's wicked. You're a government servant. That's wicked. You're trying to lead uh, God's people to, uh, you know, uh, 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 help a government that's doing wicked things like killing uh, babies in the United States of America today. The question is this, and again, look, as a Baptist, you've got to come back to this. The Bible is my boss. The Bible is the authority. Jesus is who we are following. So here's the question. Did Jesus teach others to pay taxes to a government like a wicked government like the Roman Empire? And the answer is yes. So here's another question for you. Did the Roman Empire kill babies? Are there in Matthew 2? Look at verse 16. It's part of the Christmas story, isn't it? Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod... Then Herod. Now Herod, if you look up Herod, he's referred to as Herod the Tatriarch, or Herod the King, meaning he's the local authority sanctioned by the Roman Empire. He is the person that was put in charge by the Roman Empire. When you pay tribute unto Caesar, you're paying Herod's uh, salary. Here's what the Bible says. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, because remember the wise men, they came to find Jesus. Herod heard of it. He told them, tell me, when you find him, tell me where he is so I can come worship him. But he was lying. He wanted to know where Jesus was so he could put him to death. The wise men uh, were wise to him and decided to go back a different way. When he realized that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth, notice, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So here we have a government that is killing children, not just in the womb, not to make that any less murder, but they're actually taking two-year-old babies and putting them to death, and yet Jesus says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. You say, why is that? Well, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And the point is this, and I've already said it, but I'll make it again. Money is not something that we should care enough about to fight over. Money is not something that we should care enough about to go to prison over. There are many hills that we should be willing to die on but the hill of not giving our money to the government is not one of them. Money is not worth fighting. And what Jesus is teaching, Jesus is teaching, I'm against the government. I'm against what they're doing. I'm against their wicked practices. But I'm not going to fight them over money. If they want money, just give it to them. First Timothy 6 and verse 6. And the people who fight this battle, literally, I mean... Famous preachers like Kent Hovind go to prison and spend 10 years of their life in prison, ruin their marriage, ruin their relationship with their children, you know, do all of that for what? For money? I mean, how ridiculous is that? First Timothy 6 and verse 6, notice what the Bible says. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Look, the, the, the biblical teaching in regards to money is that we should not love money, we should not care about money, and if all you have is food and raiment, you should be there with content. I'm so upset the government wants to take 25% of my income. If they want to take 50% of your income, if they want to take 100% of your income, you shouldn't care. 
If you have food and raiment, the Bible says, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich, they that care enough about money to fight about it, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Why? For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And the truth is this, if you want to find evil, just follow the money. Because the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. So should we fight about money? Look, if the government wants to take your money, let them have it. God says, I don't care about money. I don't care about those things. I I don't care about the temporal. I don't care about the physical. I care about the eternal. I care about the spiritual. I care about the souls of men. You say, oh, well, we're going to fight the government, and we're going to stand up against them. We're not going to pay our taxes. You know, we will make a greater impact in this world if we just go out and fight a spiritual battle and get people saved. Help them grow in grace. You say, oh, well, what about the aborted babies? We do more by teaching people to get married and to have children and to love the Lord and to not fornicate. We do more to fight against the abortion holocaust by preaching and engaging in spiritual warfare than we ever would by getting locked up in prison for 10 years because we didn't pay our taxes. God doesn't care about money. In fact, he in heaven... Gold is used as the pavement. He paves the streets with gold. That's how much he cares about money. So the, when the question is asked, did Jesus pay taxes? The answer is yes. When the question is asked, did Jesus teach others to pay their taxes? The answer is yes. When the question is asked, did Jesus teach others to pay taxes towards an evil government? The answer is yes, because we as Christians should not care about money. And if they want to take it from you, if they want to take it from you, let them have it. Because if if we can, because remember what Jesus said. In fact, go back to Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17. And you know, I, I would just say this to the people who love money so much that they want to fight over it. The people who love money so much that they're willing to go to prison over it. I would say to them what Peter said to Simon the sorcerer, thy money perish with thee. It's worthless. And this is what Jesus said, Matthew 17, verse 27. Notwithstanding. He said, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. I think it's stupid. I think they're putting us in servitude. I think they're putting us in bondage. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Here's what he's saying. It's not worth going to prison over. It's not worth... Missing out on a decade of your life, Kethoven, over. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, that take, and give unto them, for me and thee. Did Jesus pay taxes? The answer is yes. And we see this lesson here. On taxes, and this is a big deal because people ask this question Should we pay taxes? Should we not pay our taxes? There's another lesson, though, I'd like you to notice, and it's this Not only do we see a lesson on paying taxes, but we also see a lesson on making money. Because here's what's interesting is that Peter, if you remember, was a fisherman, right? Remember, Jesus found Peter out fishing, 
and he had a fishing business. In fact, we saw that Peter kind of struggled with giving up his fishing business. In fact, we'll see later on in this series that when Peter gets backslidden, he goes back to fishing. He goes back to the old life. Peter was a fisherman by trade, and now they have this debt. They've got to pay these taxes. They've got to pay this tribute. So notice, what does Jesus tell Peter? He says, go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up a fish. Now, Peter would know exactly what that means. He's a fisherman by trade. The second lesson is this. When it comes to making money, and when you need money, what do you do? Here's the answer. You get to work. They had a bill. They had to pay their taxes. What are we going to do? And here's what Jesus says to Peter. He says, go work. Go fishing. You're a fisherman, right? Come catch a fish. And let me tell you something. When individuals need money, you know what they should do? They should go to work. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I know you know these verses, so let's look at them together. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. If, you kept, if you're there in 1 Timothy, uh, if you go back, you've got 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says this, and, and, and this goes against our culture today, and it goes against what our society teaches, but this is what the Bible says. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. The Bible teaches, you say, I need money. You know what the Bible says? Go to work. <laughs> And if, if any would not work, then neither should he eat. If somebody doesn't want to work, then they should not eat. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely find the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14. And, you know, of course, we're not talking about someone who does not have the ability to work. We're not talking about somebody who's disabled and they'd like to work, but they're not able to. We're talking about the fact that our country is filled with able men uh, that are able to go and work, and they're just unwilling to work. And then they want the government to take our taxes and to feed them and, and to give them food for doing nothing. And you say, well, are you against it? I, here's, here's what I'm for. I'm for the Bible. And the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. The Bible says that you should earn the right to eat. And you should go out and work. And you say, well, I need money. Then go to work. Are you there in Proverbs 14? Look at verse 23. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23, the Bible says this. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 23. Notice what the Bible says. It says, in all labor, in all labor, there is profit. God says, the Bible says that there's profit in all labor. And, and by the way, we ought not be these, you know, proud, arrogant people who look down our noses at certain jobs. You know, obviously you should work the best job that you can get and you should try to get paid as much as you're possibly able to. And I think, you know, you live in the United States of America. If you, you, you know, go start a business and go make money. You know, for if you're willing to work, you can go out there and make money. But you know what? I, w I have respect for someone who works at McDonald's, for someone who works at Wendy's, for someone who works at Burger King. If they're out there and they're working and they're being faithful, then, you know, praise God for them. Don't look down on somebody and say, ah, oh, well, they have, uh, you know, this job. In all labor there is profit. Here's what, look, look at what it says. In all labor there is profit, but, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to punery. 
See that word there, penury? It means extreme poverty. Here's what he says. People who just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about how one day they're going to get this job, about how one day they're going to start this business, about how one day they're going to do this and they're going to do that. You know those people? That type of lifestyle tendeth only to extreme poverty. They're going to be broke and they're going to be poor. Why? Because if you want to profit, you need to labor. And all labor there is profit, the Bible says. But the talk of lips tendeth only to pewtery. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, look at verse 4. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. Proverbs 10 and verse 4, notice what the Bible says. And, and especially young people, you need to learn this. And young men, you need to learn this. This is what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. You know, it's talking about being lazy. A slack hand. You ever heard of a slacker? Oh, that guy's a slacker. What does it mean? They're not putting their work in. They're letting other people carry their, their, their burden. He becometh poor, the Bible says. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Notice the contrast. But the hand of the diligent, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. The word diligent means constant effort. The person who's a hard worker, who's just working hard. And look, the Bible says that if you work hard, you're not going to be poor. If you work hard, there's going to be profit in that. Obviously, we understand that life has its ups and life has its downs. And you can look at the story of Job and saw that there was a season in his life where things were not going well. We understand that. We get that. Sometimes God puts us through trials. Sometimes God puts us through heartaches. But the point is this. Generally speaking, if you work hard, you're going to have profit. And generally speaking, if you're a slack, if you're slothful, if you're lazy, you're going to be poor. That's what the Bible says. Go to Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. Proverbs 12, 24, notice what it says. The hand of the diligent. Again, a hard worker. Constant in effort. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. You want to get a promotion? You want to be the supervisor? You want to be the manager? You want to be the boss? Say, how do you do that? By not being lazy. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. The hand of the diligent is the one that's going to get promoted. The one who's going to be the boss. The one who's going to make the rules. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Here's the contrast. But the slothful shall be under tribute. The slothful is going to be in a position where they're being told what to do, where they're being forced to pay the taxes, where they're being forced to do things that they don't uh, want to do. And look, this is a great lesson, especially for young men. I hope every young man in this room right now would just get it in their head. Be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. And you know what's interesting is that today the world is raising such lazy brats out there today that it really doesn't take much for you to stand out in the workplace. I mean, just showing up on time is like a huge... If you can find someone who just actually shows up on time, you're like, whoa! I've got a rock star. I've got a superstar. I've got the greatest employee. Why? Because he, he actually shows up when work starts. Because he actually works. Because he actually just works up to his break and takes a break, works up to his lunch and takes his lunch, works up to the end of the day. Look, it doesn't take much to impress the world out there. Be a hard worker. 
The hand of diligence shall bear rule. And you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? is when you study the Bible, when you study the Bible, you'll find that God's people, you'll find that God's people always had a testimony of being the greatest workers. Ask Joseph. Everywhere he went, he was promoted. Potiphar's house, he was promoted. He went to prison and he was promoted. The palace, he was promoted. Ask Daniel. Ask Shadrach. Ask Meshach. Ask Abednego. Ask, ask, ask them. Serving in Babylon, serving under Nebuchadnezzar. Ask Esther, ask Mordecai. If you study the Bible, you'll find God's people, they worked hard. And you know, at work, you need to have a testimony of being the best worker. You need to have a testimony of being a hard worker. Your boss and your employer and your, uh, you know, the, the person, your HR representative and the person, you know what they should think about you? They should think that you are crazy. They should think that you're a maniac. They should think that you're an occult. They should think that you go to that church that believes all those weird things and your pastor was on the news and you got that Red Hot Preaching Conference and you guys are weird and I saw you in the LA Times. They should think that you're weird, but you know what they should also think? They should think if you got any crazy uh, brethren out there that need a job, bring them this way because you work hard. You know, you know what I'm saying? They, they, here's what they should think. They should think, I don't want you uh, to be in my family, but I'll hire your family. <laughs> but I'll hire, you know, here's what they, you know, it, it shouldn't be this thing where it's like, oh, no, don't hire that guy. He's a Christian. Don't hire anybody from his church. They're all lazy. That should not be the testimony of Christian, of Christian workers, especially Christian men. The hand of diligence shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, look at verse 27. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 27. Proverbs 12, 27. The slothful, the slothful man roasted not that which he took in hunting. The, sla- the lazy man, they don't, they don't even take the time to cook what they took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. So what is this verse talking about? Here's what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that you actually, that you actually appreciate something that you work for. When you're lazy and everything's just given to you, you don't appreciate it. When, when you're lazy and, you're, uh, and, and you don't have to pay the bills, you know, you went, your, your dad went out hunting, brought all this food, you're too lazy to even cook it. You let it go to waste. That's what he's saying. The slothful man roasted not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Why do you think dads run around houses turning lights off, closing windows, closing doors? You know, I'm always telling my kids, like, why is, there, why is this light on? You guys aren't even in this room. And it's like, why do you not care? You know why they don't care? Because they don't pay the bill. <laughs> You know why I care? Because I pay the bill. The substance, you know, the, the substance of a diligent man is precious. It's like, close that door, close that window. I don't want to air condition the entire neighborhood. I don't even like my neighbors, you know. You know, because why? Because when you have to pay for something, when you have to pay for something, it becomes precious to you. You know, lazy people, they just waste things. They just, they don't care about things. It's no big deal. They'll just throw it away. Go to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 4. So there's a lesson. The first lesson is this. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. And then the second lesson is on making money, and it's this. When individuals need money, they should go to work. When you need money, go to work. Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desireth, 
and hath nothing. I mean, isn't that true for lazy people? They want, I want this and I want that. I mean, go ask those homeless people out there. They'll tell you all the things they want. They'll give you their little Christmas list. But they hope Santa will bring him without having to work for it. The sluggard desireth, please, please listen. I, I hope you young people will get this. The sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The diligent person, they'll be able to accumulate. They'll be able to have the things they want. They'll be able to have the things they desire. Why? Because look, nothing ever came by wishing. It came by working. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, look at verse 29. Proverbs 22, verse 29. And here's what I believe. I believe in whatever area you happen to work in, you should strive to be the best in that area. And, and, and if you're a stay-at-home mom, then you should strive to be the best stay-at-home mom that you can be. And look, being a stay-at-home mom is a lot of work. I'd much rather do what I do than, than stay home with those kids. <laughs> I'd much rather fight you than six, you know, six kids and a baby and cooking or whatever. You know, but whatever area you're in, if you're going to be a homeschool mom, you ought to strive to be the best homeschool mom you could be. Don't be the homeschool mom that's doing you know, school in your pajamas. Don't be the homeschool mom that's just being lazy. Whatever, whatever you work, you work at McDonald's, be the best McDonald's employee. You, whatever, you, whatever job you have, whatever, wherever you work, just strive to be the best at your job. You know, I, I'm a pastor, and I'm, I'm trying to learn more of the Bible. I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to get better at preaching. I'm trying to get better at leading. I'm trying, you say, why? Because this is, this is my job. It's what God has called me to do. I'm just trying to do it the best I can. And it's work. You know, it's work to write sermons. I know you, people come here and they think, oh, it's no big deal. You try to write a sermon. Tell me how easy it is. You know, that's why I like having the men's preaching nights. I like the guys to, to come and preach. It's funny to watch them all sweat like 10-minute sermons. They're like, ah, oh, they're all stressed out for like six months. 10-minute sermon. I'm like, imagine doing that times 30 every week. You know, three, you know, hour-long sermons every week. And here's what I'm saying. I'm not belittling what you're doing. I'm just saying whatever you do, whatever you do, be the best at it. Here's what the Bible says. Whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. Whatever you do, wherever God has you, try to be the best. Try to be the best worker. Try to learn and grow in that area. Proverbs 22, look at verse 29. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? Don't miss it. See, is thou a man diligent in his business? See, is thou a man who's constantly putting forth effort in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. He'll go up the ladder. He'll get the promotions. He'll get the raises. He'll get acknowledged. They'll see him. They'll take notice of him. He'll stand before kings. I mean, isn't this true? Proverbs 22, 29. See, is thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Isn't that true of Joseph? Isn't that true of Daniel? Isn't that true of Mordecai? Isn't that true of every godly Christian young person that we see in the Bible that went out in the workforce and just worked hard, had integrity, did what they were supposed to do? So we see this lesson on making money. And the lesson on making money is this, that when individuals need money, when individuals need money, go to work. I got this bill. Well, Peter, you need to go fishing. You're a fisherman, right? You're not a fish? Go fish. 
and you'll be able to pay your bill. Let me give you the third lesson that we find in this uh, chapter. Go, go back to Matthew 17, if you would. Matthew 17. So we have a lesson on paying taxes. We have a lesson on making money. And the lesson on making money is this. When individuals need money, they should go to work. But there's a, th- a third lesson I'd like to point out to you here in regards to making money. And it is in regards to churches. When churches need money, what should they do? Because, you know, it's interesting. You're there in Matthew 17. Look at verse 27. Matthew 17 and verse 27, the Bible says this, Notwithstanding, this is Jesus speaking, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give it unto them for me. And for thee, and here's what's interesting about that. Here you have Jesus telling Peter, go fish, and there'll be money in the fish. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 18. What's interesting is that when Jesus called Peter and James and John into ministry, he used this terminology of fishing. Matthew 4, look at verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, notice what he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, they straightway, excuse me, left their nets and followed him. And I don't know all of your stories and everything, all of your experiences, but I know for myself, and I know for many of you, because I've talked to many of you, we all have a lot of the same similar stories, and the story is this, that when you go to church, and unfortunately churches have this reputation, that when you go to church, they talk a lot about money. Isn't that true? I mean, I remember going to churches where, like, tithing was a point in every sermon, Every sermon had a point about money. There, there's, every sermon was going to have two things. Money, give money, and salvation. You know? And sometimes that's all they even talked about. And, and then to make it worse, there was always a mini-sermon before the offering. I mean, did you ever go to church like that? Where like, they, they would come, the ushers come up to receive the offering, and then the pastor would take like five minutes to like, give a little mini-sermon on you know, tithing or giving money. And here's the thing. I'm all for tithing. I'm all for offerings. The Bible teaches it. We, we believe in it. But have you ever noticed this at Verity Baptist Church, that we talk very little about money around here? Amen. I mean, have you ever noticed? Maybe you haven't noticed it. Have you noticed that? You notice that, like, I preach sermon after sermon after sermon where money is not even mentioned. Now, obviously, I do a whole five-week series on finances, and four of the sermons are just helping you have more money for yourself, you know. And, and the funny thing is, is, when I preach on finances, I, like, announce it, like, weeks in advance. I'm, like, warning you. Three weeks from now, I'm preaching on tithing. Two weeks from now, I'm preaching on tithing. One week from now, I'm preaching on tithing. Don't invite your mom. I'm preaching on tithing. You know, just for weeks, I'm telling you, like, hey, I'm preaching on tithing. I'm preaching on tithing. Don't, you know, you know I, I warn you, you know, when the spring vision offering comes weeks in advance, vision offering is this Sunday. Now, on this Sunday, we're preaching on vision offering. Don't come if you get offended about money. We're warning you. We never mention it throughout the year. We never bring it up. The only time we even bring it up is if we're preaching through a book of the Bible that brings it up. Amen. Then we talk about it. But we don't talk about it that much. You say, why? You know, 
we want to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes. And the Bible doesn't emphasize money. Jesus says, I don't care about money. If Caesar wants it, give it to him. You say, well, Pastor, how do, you, how do we pay the bills? And look, our church is not rich. But I'll tell you this, the Lord has always taken care of our needs. And there's been times when we've had more money than, and uh, times when we've had less money or whatever. The Lord has always taken care of us. And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. That if you concern yourself with what God concerns himself, then God will take care of you. God will provide if you're following his guide. God will provide for your needs if you're doing what he's asked you to do. And here's what I've learned. God wants us to be interested in reaching people with the gospel. You say, I don't, I don't come to church. You know, I come to church. I don't hear a lot about money. You know what you do hear a lot about? Soul winning. You know what you do hear a lot about? Growing spiritually, discipling people, reaching people with the gospel, getting people saved. You know what you do hear a lot about? Uh, you know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You say, oh, oh, what about the money? You know what? Here's what we found. When you reach people with the gospel, when you go out and you catch fishers of men, they'll have gold coins in their mouths. You understand what I just said? I hope that's appropriate. I don't know if that's... Uh, when you reach people with the gospel, you know what happens? Those people finance the ministry. Those people come to church, they grow, they learn, they get disciple, they give. They give so you can reach other people. They give so you can start other churches. They give so you can help other people. You know, the, what I want to tell these churches that are just constantly struggling financially and always begging for money and always trying to get people to give money, you know what I want to tell them is, why don't you concern yourself in reaching people? Instead of trying to squeeze out every dollar you can out of the six people you've got sitting there, why don't you go out soul winning and reach somebody? Because when you work, God blesses you. And when you reach people, they give and they're gracious and they're generous. And they finance the work. They take care of it. So you say, well, well, you need, the church needs money. You know, if we get to the point, point where this church needs money, then we, just, we need to just bump up the soul winning. Reach more people. And you know what? God will take care of it. God will help us, and God will meet the needs. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So look, when individuals need money, what do you do? You get to work. When churches need money, what do you do? Get to work. Reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because here, Jesus is telling Peter, he says, hey, go fishing. Go fishing, you'll be fine. You know, I, sometimes I, I look at these churches, and I, my heart breaks for them, because I feel like they're struggling, and they're discouraged, and they're this, and they're that. And I feel like they've got their view in the wrong place and they're just focused on money and they think money's going to solve all their problems. And what I tell them is, why don't you focus on reaching people and God will take care of the rest. And that's not a prosperity message. That's not saying you're going to be rich. That's not saying any of that. But it's saying this, that when you get involved in the work of God, God will take care of it. Amen. And I, I've, I've just learned, you know, and we, we, we reach people and we go out and reach people in the ghettos and people that can't do anything for us and people that can't help us in any way. And God just seems to bless us with those people who can meet the needs financially. So get to work. Churches are struggling, get to work. Individuals are struggling, get to work. The lesson is don't consume yourself with money. But if you need money, get to work. Let's fire here to number one to prayer. Help me, Father. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the Bible. Thank you for these uh, stories that you've given us, these illustrations. And Lord, if I hope that young people in this auditorium would just learn this lesson, that if they want to be blessed financially, they need to just get to work. 
And, and Lord, if, if there's any pastors out there listening uh, to this sermon, maybe